me. Somebody in the station, please speak to us. Okay, I am talking. He says talk. Good, good, good. We just had no intro music that I could hear. I am Deb Creer, the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And as my regular listeners know, Mile High is merging with Velocity Radio. We are so excited about all of that, but with that has come some little, shall we say, technical challenges, which is why I didn't hear the music at the start of our program. So sorry about that. But we are getting things worked out, and Velocity um, is going to bring so many fabulous things to what we can do. So we are very excited about that. So with that, happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. And I would like to welcome my guest, Neil Schaefer. Neil, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, thanks, Deb. How are you doing? Oh, perfect, perfect. Now, before I do the introduction of you, I know you're in Irvine. Did you feel the earthquake? No, it's funny. Everyone's talking about it, but uh, I didn't feel a thing. Oh, you know, we had an earthquake here in um, California, or in California, in Atlanta, and I didn't feel it either. It was a couple weeks ago, but several people did and thought that was was very funny. Um, So uh, it's, uh, you know, just one of those things that we all experience from time to time. Indeed. With that, Neil, let me introduce you because I know that for many of our listeners, they are already very familiar with you, but there are probably some people who don't know about you and certainly don't know about all of your accomplishments. So Neil is a Forbes Top 50 social media power influencer two years in a row and the creator of the leading social media for business blog, Maximize Social Business. Neil is a global social media speaker who has spoken on three continents and also teaches as part of the Rutgers University Mini Social Media MBA program. As an author, Neil is best known for his definitive book on social media strategy creation, implementation, and optimization called Maximize Your Social, a one-stop guide to building a social media strategy for marketing and business success. But he's also published two other award-winning and critically acclaimed social media books, Maximizing LinkedIn for Sales and Social Media Marketing and Windmill Networking, Maximizing LinkedIn. As a leading social media speaker, Neil currently speaks on social media at dozens of corporate, professional association, and online events each year. In parallel, he continues to consult with, coach, and train clients on strategically leveraging social media for their business. Since launching his social media strategy consulting business in January of 2010, Neil has worked with dozens of companies, from small startups and solopreneurs to Fortune 500 enterprises and a Grammy award-winning celebrity. So welcome again, Neil. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Well, you know, thank you so much for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule. Um, I am connected with Neil on Facebook, and I'm just amazed at how much you travel, um, because you travel frequently to um, Asia, because you speak, let's see, how many languages? Three languages? If you count English as one of them, yes, three languages. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you spent quite a bit of time in um, Japan and, and other Asian countries working with them. It, it's fun when I see your posts because frequently they are posted in more than one language. Yeah, you know, I do have a Japanese, I won't call them, you know, fan base per se, but I do have friends and people that I've met through social media there. Mm-hmm. And if you're not speaking their language, uh, you can't engage with them. So I think that's just a case in point of, 
you know, what other companies need to do as well. And I don't do it with every tweet and every message I send out, but I do, I do try to do that, especially when there's information that I think is relevant to uh, my Japanese friends. Great. You know, and Anne, let's just jump right into this. I did download your book and am reading it. It has so many fabulous tips. And it was funny, you know, I started, I, I, when I read business books, I do them on my iPad. Because then I can take notes as I go. Because if it's a real book, I won't write in the margins and do things like that. Which is why I love um, being able to, to do that with uh, my iPad. But it really is such a good book because it's got so many tips and, and techniques. But I know in this, you know, what we wanted to do today is focus on Google+. Because it's one of the social media platforms that is kind of like the... the you know, and I say this on St. Patrick's Day as someone with Irish descent, the redheaded stepchild. Um, I know, I know. You know, and, and it's funny because I think Google, uh, Google Plus really does kind of get the, the short end of the stick because, you know, I hear people say, why are you there? I'm not there. Why should you be there? Blah, 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 blah. So tell us, Neil, first, you know, what is Google Plus and why should a business or an individual be there and have a presence there? That's a great question, and thank you for the compliments on the book. I think it really comes down to, uh, and when I put it in these words, usually businesses understand. For people, I think it's a little bit different uh, because when people invest time in social media, um, they, they have different objectives. They're looking for different ROIs, right? But for mm-hmm. businesses, I ask you, is Google important to your business? And if it is important, as it is for 99% of the businesses I meet, then there's obviously value in having a presence on Google+. There's a minimal value, which is understanding that Google+, Plus is a little bit different than other social networks. Other social networks have uh, a community, uh, mm-hmm. which Google+, Plus has as well. May may not be as thriving of a community as what you have on Facebook, but there's definitely a lot of people having a lot of conversations. And you know there are brands that have millions of followers on Google+. Plus. But I think it comes down to this concept that Google Plus, because it's Google, is also Google's attempt to basically uh, verify everybody's digital footprints. Mm. Uh, we, we call that the social layer. So what Google's trying to figure out is they want to provide relevant search, revol- search results to everybody, right? Right. So there's tons of companies that pay a lot of SEO companies a lot of money to create fake websites and fake links and fake article directories. And, and basically, if they can figure out you know, for each company out there and each person out there, what is a verified profile that you have? And you can only have one, right? Um, mm-hmm. What is that? And what are your other digital properties that you have? And how do we tie it all together into one? And then when people uh, follow you on Google+, Plus or plus one your posts, this provides relevant social signals so that we can provide even better search results for everybody in the future. So for mm. businesses, it's a matter of if you don't verify yourself by starting a Google Plus business page, um, you're going to be left out of search results in the not-so-distant future um, because so many companies now are verifying themselves. And if you're not getting followers on Google Plus and your competitors are, your competitors are going to be influencing search results for relevant terms uh, a, a lot more than you are. So it comes down to this this whole paradigm shift. And we're not there yet. I think you know what Google's doing is going to take a long time, but it's really understanding what they're trying to do, that it's it's not just a community, but there's this social layer. And therefore, you know, if you have a minimal presence on any social network, 
um, you can be doing the same thing on Google Plus and reaping benefits in a different way than you would with other social networks. So it, I know it may sound a little confusing, um, and it's uh, it's very, very hard to describe without a whiteboard in front of me and, mm-hmm. and painting pictures, but that's really the nutshell. It's a social layer. Google wants you to verify your digital identity, and in doing so in the long term and in, in finding value in it, I, I think it's going to be very, very beneficial to any business. Well, and Google, you know, no matter what size Facebook gets to, I don't think that it will ever overtake probably the number of eyeballs that go to Google. You know, it may, you know, obviously there's far more people who use Facebook than Google Plus, but Google is the big dog on the block. Um, and what they have done is really try to enhance their presence and make it even bigger um, by, by adding Google Plus. Now, you know, originally they had things like Google Places, which was where a physical location would go in. They'd kind of register, you know, that way if somebody searched for you, the little map would pop up and, and you could say, oh, well, you know, it's close, it's far away, you know, here's the directions. Am I correct that those have all, for the most part, kind of automatically transitioned into a Google Plus page? They are uh, transitioning, and if you are a new establishment, it, you're going to begin with a, a Google Plus page. If you already have a legacy footprint, you already have these pages, um, what they're doing is they are transitioning them over. It's going to take time, but what Google says is that there are many entryways into Google Plus. So if it's this layer that Google is trying to put over all of its products, it's going to encompass everything. So we've already seen this with YouTube comments are now fully mm-hmm. integrated with Google Plus, right? You right. see little plus one buttons on Google AdWords. Um, I think that, you know, Gmail, you see some things. You can you can search through your circles, and um, if you're connected with someone, or even if you're not, you see their Google Plus profile pop up on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Google Calendar, Google Plus events are integrated with Google Calendar. Obviously, the biggest place we see the effects of Google Plus are probably in Google Search itself. But yeah, right. that's the idea is that all these things are going to be moving over. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Google Apps uh, and different applications and what integration you have with Google Plus there. Um, but definitely, yes, th- there's a transition. Um, it's going to take time. But if you have any of these Google uh, accounts, it's really, really important that you obviously get a Google Plus page and really monitor uh, how this transition is going. Well, and if you already had your Google Places page, it's very important to go in and, and make sure that things on, on the Google Plus are correct. Um, you know, especially if they kind of automatically transitioned it. You, know, you might have gone in and set it up one way, but you know, you need to make sure it's correct. And you also, you know, as a physical business, you know, and, and I don't care what that is, whether it's a restaurant, an insurance agency, you know, a store, all of those things, you need to make sure that you as that business have claimed that that entity as opposed to somebody else claiming it. Yeah. It's just like when every social network came out, right? Twitter and, you know, you need to claim your business page before someone else does because there's mm-hmm. always a, there's always a competitor that doesn't have the same, uh, you know, morals that we have that, that might try to do that. So absolutely. Um, and you know, because, uh, it's, it's an automatic transition, you know, Google is going to populate the data with whatever they find on you. So yes, you, you do need to proactively manage that. And, you know, it's the same thing with personal branding for professionals. You, you need to proactively manage what people find when they mm-hmm. find you on the Internet. Right. It's the same thing with businesses with, with Google+. Right. Well, and, and one of the cool features that, that I love about Google is, you know, Google Alerts, which I use 
to monitor my own personal brand. Um, you know, I have alerts set for Deb Creer, for Deborah Creer, for Deb, you know, various spellings, things like that. Because then when anything is posted, you know, on the Internet that has that name in it, it pops up and I can look at it and go, oh, okay, well, this is me or, oh, this wasn't me. And maybe I need to, to see a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's, you know, that should be something that every professional in this day and age does, but I find very few that do. So Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I do the exact same thing, Debbie. Well, and the cool thing is it's free, you know, and and I think that's where some people, you know, they they hesitate because they think, well, it it could cost me money. No, you know, it's, it's a free service. I always tell people, especially in the job search, you absolutely positively have to Google your own name because when, you know, you apply for a job, one of the very first things people do, you know, anymore, if even with entry level positions, but certainly for uh, senior and, and middle management type of positions, they Google somebody. You know, they want to see what is out there with their physical footprint or their their uh, internet footprint. And you know, maybe it's somebody with a different name, or you know, it's it's a different person, same name. You have to know what's there um, because you could lose out on a job interview simply by not knowing that someone with your name filed bankruptcy or, you know, was posting a blog that maybe was controversial or or something like that. Yeah, you know, just like, um, uh, you know, recruiters and and college admissions uh, agents will review the Facebook and, and, you know, I don't know what they're going to find on Snapchat or Instagram, but they're going to review the social profiles on, Mm -hmm. on your children um, you know, people that might want to do business with you, that might want to hire you or what have you, are also going to do internet searches. I actually just, uh, you know, I, I had an opportunity to do business with someone that I decided not to because I found out that um, they were involved in, in, in a court case. Uh, oh you know, yeah. And it was, what, uh, it was several years ago. But mm-hmm. it's things like that, that if this person was, um, uh, you know, had a better understanding of how the internet worked and how search worked and how um, uh, personal branding worked and, and what have you in social media, it, it's not that hard to bury those results right. uh, mm-hmm. on the second or third page. Mm-hmm. Not to say I recommend if you did something bad that you should, uh, but if it doesn't represent you, and obviously this person said, hey, that doesn't represent me, mm-hmm. um, but you know those sort of impressions, if I got that sort of negative impression, Think about what uh, you might get if someone happens to find out something that you did 10, 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. that just might be out right. there on the internet. And it's always possible, right? Right. You know, I was working with somebody one time who who was unemployed and he had declared bankruptcy. And he came up to me after one of my, my training sessions and he said, you know, what do I do? If somebody Googles me, they find out all of this stuff. And I said, well, the trick is you want more positive things to come up. So it's exactly what you were saying. And and so what we did was we had him create a blog. We had him, you know, do other things so that that negative and and therefore, you know, that the older items would be pushed down much further. Um, and, you know, it just had never occurred to him that people would even look for him. And, you know, he said that was probably the reason he wasn't getting interviews and he just had no idea. Yeah, you know, um, I'd say that recruiters and HR people are probably the savviest at mm-hmm. Google search, way more savvier. Well, I mean, marketers are pretty savvy as well, but the, the types of searches that recruiters can do on Google is, is pretty amazing. So if it's out there, they're going to find it. Definitely. You know, I, I saw a cover letter one time from somebody and, you know, it was it was a little tongue in cheek, but obviously it was serious. And, and he said, you know, when you Google me, which I know you will, please understand I am not the murderer. <laughs> and 
There you <laughs> oh, go. Um, but, you know, and, and so he addressed it right up front because he knew that the people would look for him. Now, you know, hopefully that that isn't what most people would find. But, you know, it's, it is just one of those cool free features of Google that, you know, take the time to set it up, folks. It's, you know, all you have to do is have a Gmail account to be able to do that. And then it will route through everything else. Yep, it's uh, free. It's thirty seconds, and it emails you in real time when something pops up. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a no brainer. Yep. So back on on Google Plus, we kind of digress there a little bit, but of course, all of this is about your brand, your online brand, which is is so important. In your book, you talk about search plus your world. What is that? Describe that to us. So this is the. Um, I guess search plus your world is what happens to your own search in Google after you join Google plus. And I talked before that Google is trying to serve up relevant search results for everybody. So mm-hmm. what this means is that if I uh, read newspapers and I'm looking for an article on, for instance, what, you know, what's going on with, uh, with the Malaysian airlines uh, airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was only reading New York times and I did a Google search, Google would want to serve up results from New York Times first, right? Because right. they know that that's the newspaper I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I follow the New York Times on Google+, Plus, then Google understands that I have an affinity for Wall Street Journal and therefore will serve up those results with more priority. They're, they're personalizing search results so that the search results that I see and that you see are very, very different. Um, and therefore, you know, if you have people following you and you plus one certain posts, it's going to influence what they see. So it really, um, it, it just really changes the game. Uh, many people in, in the SEO world say it's really the, you know, the biggest change to Google search since it was invented. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's really the fact that once we register with Google Plus and we start following and being followed and plus one and other people plus one our content, it's sending these social signals to Google that helps them better personalize our search results based on all of our Google Plus activity. So you see right here, those that have Google Plus activity and those that don't, there's already this uh, discrepancy that's starting um, right. in terms of you know in terms of who's going to appear in search results as well as who's going to influence those search results. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's weird because it's a little Big Brother ish, but at the same point, it's like asking your friend for advice your friend is going to want to give you the most relevant information. Um, and, and so that's kind of where this is all coming in is, you know, yeah, it's a little spooky, but it's also really helping to define and refine what you're looking for. You know, the Internet is full of cookies and spiders and, you know, it, it's not just Google. Right. Um, I, I believe that Google is really on a mission uh, mm-hmm. to, to deliver the best results and, Think of all the free things they've given us uh, mm-hmm. to help make our lives better. So, yes, do we give up something for that? We're sending them a lot of data, which helps them better understand us, which they're using to serve up more relevant advertising for us. Right. Um, and, and, and I don't think it's anything more than that. And I've met employees from Google, and, and mm-hmm. you know, they're passionate about their mission. You know, Facebook's on a, on a different mission. LinkedIn's on a different mission and what have mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, some people may think Facebook's a little bit spooky because they know – who their friends are, who pops up, why is this person always popping up in the newsfeed or LinkedIn? How do they know that I might know this person? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's big data. It's out there. And right. in fact, we're, we're at the tip of the iceberg because companies mm-hmm. are going to get a lot savvier at using all these signals that we're sending out. Mm-hmm. 
Which is is very cool if you're an advertiser because, you know, obviously there's still going to be advertisers who advertise on television, radio, newspapers, places like that. But even those, they fine-tune those demographics. You know, when you're watching a program, say, after 9 o'clock at night – that is geared more towards an adult audience, it has very different commercials than the ones that you watch it at 7 p.m. or at noon. But the cool thing about online with their advertising, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, Google Plus, you don't advertise, you advertise differently on Google, but you can really get down to those, those very minute demographics. And, and to me, that's very cool. Yeah, it's really unprecedented in the history of the internet that you can really pinpoint uh, a target audience in a way that you've never been able to do in, in mm-hmm. the history of mankind. So that's something that businesses should leverage. And I think if you've ever done Facebook advertising, that's, you know, that's a, a glimpse of what the future holds right. in, in terms of capabilities. Right. I, was, I think it was an article that I read on Mashable that was talking about um, an, a gentleman who had applied for jobs at various major advertising agencies in New York City. And he did Google advertising. And he actually used the creative director's names of those agencies in his ad. And he targeted that ad to only be shown to them, knowing yeah. that they probably would search for their own name or, you know, it would. And, and he, he got a job from it. He said it really was a pretty cool feature. And he said, you know, three or four of them checked it out. One was a little freaked out by it. But, you know, the others really thought it, it showed great creativity. Um, so that was an example of fine-tuning it to one person. Yeah, I've seen, I mean, I, fine-tuning it to a person is definitely um, pretty amazing. Uh, I haven't heard many case studies like that. That's a pretty unique one. But I do know, for instance, um, you know, a, a woman graduating from Villanova University Mm-hmm. And she wanted to work in either, I forgot, Boston, New York, or Philadelphia. And, and she sent out very targeted, not targeted to the individual, but targeted to Villanova alumni on LinkedIn ah. in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and was able to get a job through that as well. Got, got multiple mm-hmm. offers, actually. So, yeah, uh, the technology's there. It's just about our thinking outside of the box and, mm-hmm. and how you leverage it, right? Cool. You know, and, and, and we have to get past the scary part. Um, you know, we're, we have a digital footprint, whether we're on Facebook, whether we're on LinkedIn, you know, all of those things anyway. Um, you know, and, and so it's, it's more along the lines of embrace it, protect your privacy where you want to. Um, you know, for example, I home office and so I don't put my physical location, um, in places. Um, you know, they're, they're not listed on my Facebook page or my LinkedIn page or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's, people could still find it if they wanted to. But to me, it really is very cool how this technology can be used. Yeah, you know, it all comes down to a give and take. Um, what are the potential advantages and what are the potential disadvantages? I remember when the fax machine just came, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, someone's going to read our message in between fax machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to get lost somewhere on the phone lines. And whenever there's new technology there's a knee-jerk reaction that most humans have to sort of mm-hmm. reject it. Right. Um, social media, complete waste of time. But you need to, if, especially if you're in business, you really need to look at all of this as a business tool. And I'm like you. I'm old school. I remember life for the internet, for the cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm very proud of my generation because I, I think we can, we're in between sort of the baby boomers and the, and the millennials, and, and uh, we can see things rationally and practically. But you know, you will not find one picture of my wife or my kids on social media. I, I draw a line. 
Right. And I'm, and I'm of the age that says, you know what? If there's something you don't want to be found out about you online, you keep it offline. Mm-hmm. If you want to send pictures to friends, you do it through email, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just the way that I am. And I'm preaching more and more professionals. I mean, I do uh, a lot of social sales training and I'm teaching professionals that, hey, you know, if you can connect with your clients or potential customers on Facebook, the potential is, is amazing because there's no better place where you can find out more about your customer's personal interest and on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm, but it right. means you have to use Facebook differently. Mm-hmm. And I use the analogy, if I was going to meet you, Deb, we had never met before, we had no idea who each other were, and we were at a chamber of commerce meeting or a professional networking meeting, there are certain things that we just would not talk about without right. knowing each other a lot better. Mm-hmm. And, and social media is the exact same way. And if you can create what I call professional persona and do that, um, just you know, keep it separate from your actual physical friends. Mm-hmm. Um, th- don't think of just because you're connected with someone on LinkedIn that you're best friends with them and you have to recommend them and, and you have to introduce them. Um, if you if you sort of uh, take that away and look at it as a business tool, I think that's where you begin to, you know, as I would say, begin to maximize your social. Right. Well, and to me, I always, you know, I, I agree with you because I always tell people Facebook, you know, is not just personal. Um, you know, the, the people who post the pictures and say the things that they shouldn't. It's funny, you know, I, I uh, am friends with a, a woman, uh, Lita Citrone, who is a, a personal branding expert. And she posted today um, a, rem- a reminder that it's St. Patrick's Day and please don't jeopardize your personal brand by posting things that you wouldn't normally post. Um, you know, because people do get carried away sometimes on, on holidays like this. And it's certainly one thing to show somebody with, say, a glass of green beer as opposed to they've had way too much beer and, and things <laughs> like that. And, you know, I have people that say, but I'm only friends, you know, with the capital F, with my friends and my family on Facebook. And I remind them, but you never know who they're connected to. You know, and, and they still might be a good source uh, to refer a job to you or a new client to you. And if you haven't always behaved in a professional way, even thinking it's just personal, you know, you could jeopardize that. Yeah, I, I like to give the example. I spoke in front of a young president's organization. So these are all CEOs that are under 40. And it was maybe a year or two ago, so it wasn't like it was yesterday. But most mm-hmm. of these CEOs were actually not on Facebook. I think out of the 40 in the room, there are only two on Facebook. Hmm. And, and one person asked me, you know, hey, if I post something on Facebook, even if I lock down the privacy and only send it out to friends and family, is it safe? Right. And I, and I said, you know what? Once it's online, those friends and family, all it takes for one of them is to take a screenshot of that picture mm-hmm. and post it somewhere else. So yep. that's, that, that's the whole thing, right? Um, you, you cover it in a different way that... Um, what you post online, you know, represents you, and therefore, even if they're friends and family, it could indirectly influence them. So that if your friend is pinged and said, "Hey, I'd really like to, in- I'd really like, you know, an introduction to this family member for a job," and in your mind, you're thinking the night before, this person had way too much to drink. Are they trustworthy? And they're friends or family, but I don't know if I if I want to put my own right. personal reputation on the line, mm-hmm. right? Because we're people. Uh, and that happens all the time. So yeah, I mean, you know, it, we're we're sort of on a public stage now all the time. And if you live life righteously, uh, there shouldn't be any issues. If you have a little bit too much to drink every once in a while, that's fine. Just you know, turn your cell phones off and and make sure no one tags you in photos, and you'll mm-hmm. be fine. Well, and you know, it, it, we are human. 
Um, and, you know, and, and obviously people use the platforms any way they want. They just need to be aware that there can be consequences. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Great. Exactly. Let's go back to Google+. Plus. Um, now, I have a question because I use Google+, Plus, kind of. Um, you know, I, I have a presence there, so I have my personal page and I have my business page. Sure. And I use Buffer app. Um, I love Buffer app because it's, you know, it's a quick, easy way to be able to, to post to multiple sites all at once. But Buffer app only goes to my, my business page. With all of the SEO and, you know, things like that, is there a difference in how Google looks at personal pages and business pages? Well, the reason that Buffer, uh, and there's no other application right now that will post to your personal profile, is that although applications like Buffer, and I'm a Buffer user as well, and I, you know, I know the um, the founders, and they're they're great people, great company, great product, great technology. But at the end of the day, more and more people with content marketing and, and what have you are just using more and more tools, and our engagement on these platforms is becoming less and less authentic. Right. And I think tw- Twitter is probably the great, and Twitter's always been this way because they've been open and say you can do whatever you want with the platform. Mm-hmm. And so Google at the beginning said, you know, we're Google. Everybody's going to try to dupe Google, and mm-hmm. they've been. That's what SEO companies, well, th- not the good ones, but the bad ones, try to do. So if we allow people to dupe uh, and and you know allow that same environment into uh, into personal profiles, uh, it's going to be a bad thing for Google. It's going to be a bad thing for Google Plus. And by limiting it to business pages, and although you can still dupe business pages, uh, I, I do wonder if there's sort of a difference. Because we found with Facebook that the affinity we have with our friends is much greater than that that we have with business pages. And right. therefore, unless you really engage a lot with a particular business page, they're not going to show up in your newsfeed. And for those of us that are Facebook business page owners, and we look at the number of impressions or lack of number of impressions our Facebook page posts get these days, we understand that paradigm. Mm-hmm. So in in that way, yeah, um, you know it. All, you know Google search, although there are businesses that do it, it, it primarily comes down to individuals, right? And that's really the holy grail where Google wants to make sure that it is a um, you know it is a trustworthy result. And by introducing the ability to automatically post or semi automatically post or or time that post, uh, it's going to devalue that platform. Now, what's interesting is with content marketing and with all these different platforms and the fact that even if you don't spend five minutes a day on Google Plus, Deb, you do go there once in a while, we're all becoming more fragmented in the platforms we use. Um, And and even kids that maybe signed up for Facebook but aren't on it now, they're on Instagram and now they're also on Snapchat and uh, a lot of women I know that are on Facebook but they spend maybe more time on Pinterest Mm -hmm. and the professionals on LinkedIn and those that like Twitter, we're becoming fragmented. And what each of the platforms want you to do is spend more time on their platform. So I'm finding that, although a lot of people don't like this because it takes more time, the more time you take to really customize your message to each platform, uh, the more effective you're going to be on that platform, right? Uh, Right. It's going to speak to the audience, but also the fact that you didn't send something through Buffer. I, I had a recent experiment where I saw that things I sent through Buffer got no impressions, and these are coming from my personal profile, not even my business page. Um, and it, it's the fact that it, you know, it's going through a, an, another filter. Uh, and I think the greatest example of this is what we've had just recently, Deb, and uh, after you contacted me, this is sort of one of the new things that has happened in social media, is the LinkedIn publishing platform. Oh, and, and I love it. Yeah, and this is an example where 
the normal content marketer, you know, social media marketer would say, okay, just, you know, whatever you, whatever you blog about, just copy and paste it and put it on, you know, LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm advocating for really publishing not only unique content on it, but also really gearing that content for that LinkedIn demographic, which is very unique in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think those that do at the end of the day, uh, you know, LinkedIn has an algorithm just like Facebook does. And I think those that do that are going to be the most successful. Those that just copy and paste uh, are not going to be nearly as successful. And there are easy ways to find out if content is duplicates. Um, there's easy ways to find out about the quality of the content if you're not getting much engagement. So I'd really encourage people. I, I think that less is more in 2014. There's a lot of noise out there. And I'd really try to, and I'm actually trying to reduce the number of tweets and other things that I post and really trying to make each one count. Mm-hmm. And if there's, if there's one thing you take out of this, and this is something I didn't really talk about in Maximize Your Social, but if there's one thing that you take out of this hour that we had together for those listening, I really, I really hope they take that to heart. You don't need to post 30 tweets a day on Twitter. Um, really, you know, uh, craft them, really craft your blog posts, uh, you know, craft your LinkedIn posts, your Google Plus posts, and I think you'll be a lot better for it. Well, and... You know, I think it's one of those things where if you're providing good content, people will go and look for it. Um, now, you know, it, it annoys me on LinkedIn that we can't see people's updates. You know, they you just have to kind of catch them as the news feed. They've, for whatever reason, changed it. I, you know, like I couldn't go to your profile on the desktop system. On the iPad, it's still different. But on my desktop, I couldn't see your updates. But yeah. You know, and hopefully they'll fix that. I mean, that's just kind of a weird thing that, you know, we can't do that. But, you know, I latched on to, to LinkedIn publishing last week um, after my, my guest had talked about it, went in, set up my little account. And, and just for an experiment, I did uh, I did a cut and paste, you know, of, of an old blog post that was, but it was LinkedIn specific. Okay. And was stunned at the results. Um, yeah. you know, it was, it was okay on my blog, but you know, I'm looking at it right now. It was liked 110 times. There are wow. 42 comments and I went through and I've responded to all the comments and I need to go find, there's one new one. So I need to find it. And it was, but more importantly, over 10,000 people saw it and it was shared almost 250 times. Wow. So to me, that was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, but you know, now I'm going to do exactly what you said and, and kind of rethink my old blog posts and kind of repurpose them to make them specific for LinkedIn um, because I think this is, is a great thing. Now, from an SEO perspective, it's a little annoying because it's branded LinkedIn. I mean, you know, it, it, it is you know, on their platform, so it's not really going to drive my personal SEO. But it was, I was just stunned at the amount of, of eyeballs that saw this. That's, that's very successful. You, um, you know, I'd say if you get over 2,000 views, you're doing really well. So congrats. That's, uh, that's awesome. I, well, I will say, I, you know, I will say, I think a lot of people uh, have the same comment about the SEO aspect. And I think people need to think about it a little bit differently. For instance, uh, you know, the LinkedIn publishing platform is for professionals, not for companies. Right. Companies can't do it unless your mm-hmm. presidents are doing it. If you're a small business owner, you're one of the same. Great, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what people forget is that uh, how many times did Google send you 10,000 views? Right? Who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. Like cumulative over a year is what many small business websites mm-hmm. get. Right. And so I got li- it over 48 hours. Exactly. And I had similar experience, although different numbers. But 
you know, LinkedIn is its own search engine. All these sites, social networks have their own search capabilities, they're their own search engine. So, uh, you know, I'd say LinkedIn is being a lot more generous than Google is. And if you think about, you know, and I sort of diverge there, but at the beginning of the conversation, when I talk to professionals, like my social selling presentations, and their salespeople in the room, they don't have personal websites. Their LinkedIn profile is their personal mm-hmm. website. And if you're a small business owner, you should be thinking the same way, even though you may have a website. If you, you know, promote yourself well enough in your profile, believe me, when a potential customer reads your post, they're going to go digging in. If they're interested, they're going to find you. They're going to contact you. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't think of it as negative SEO. I'd see it as a new market. And right, right now, this new market, uh, considering the, the demographic that it has, that's extremely influential and, and decision makers, uh, centric, uh, I'd say it may be a better bet than Google for, for, for many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's really, you know, I'm glad you had that experience, Deb, because very few have had that, and I've been sharing that with people, and they've been blown away, uh, and and um, it's it's pretty amazing. Now, we'll see how long it lasts. There's right. going to be a lot more people publishing a lot more content, but getting back to your point about not being able to see my status updates, I think that's the point, because status updates on LinkedIn can be, you know, you can use Buffer in these applications. They can be gamed. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we're going to see fewer and fewer status updates and more and more of these unique blog posts, right. which is another reason to be blogging. The status update is going to be something that's going to be seen by very, very few people. And your posts are definitely going to get priority. So start blogging, everybody. And the posts do show up when you look at somebody else's profile. Um, you know, and, and so that's cool because you can kind of go back through and, and see the articles that they have written. And you mentioned a, a really good fact. So many people might have good content, but no place to put it. You know, they don't have their own blog. They don't, you know, have any other place to put it. So it's a great way to be able to do that. And then the really cool thing that, that LinkedIn has done with this is they have added the buttons to be able to socially share these to other networks. You can put it on, you can, you can plus one it on Google. You can share it on Facebook and, and obviously on LinkedIn and on Twitter. So they've kind of made their own little tool here to really drive more people to LinkedIn, but it's going to be a benefit to to everybody. I think it's a, a great new feature. I agree with you 100%. Cool. Well, let's jump back to Google+. And, and for those of you who are listening, some of you are used to the fact that we're taking a break. Part of our technology today is not working the way we wanted it to, so we're going straight through. No, uh, no breaks today. And so one of the things that I always do after we come back from a break is to have my guest tell how is the best way that they can be reached. So, Neil, tell people how they can find you online and connect with you. Sure. Well, you know, the name of my book is Maximize Your Social. So my personal website is called MaximizeYourSocial.com. I also have another website, which is where I normally blog, called MaximizeSocialBusiness.com. Uh, I used to have a website called Windmill Networking back in the day a few years ago. And like many others, I started having guest bloggers. And I had so many guest bloggers that I thought, you know, this is, this is a new brand in itself. This is a mm-hmm. new media entity in itself. And I really branched out my blog into Maximize Social Business uh, and kept Maximize Your Social Personal, which is why I have two websites. And then I'm Neil Schaefer, wherever you go, on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, Google+. Plus. Uh, N-E-A-L-S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. Great, great. And we'll, we'll give you one more time at the, the end to tell people to do that because we also want them to go to your sites because it's a way to, hello, buy your books. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that's, it, it really is great information. And, you know, 
it's funny when I'm I you know I I spend so much time reading about social media. I still get more out of it when I read a book. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's back to, you know, as you were saying earlier, our generation. You know, we're not mm-hmm. so, you know, we're used to reading bigger amounts, larger amounts, you know, a, a full book as opposed to a, a newspaper article or something like that. But, um, you know, I, I'm really enjoying your book. And it's Thank funny, you. I was skipping around because I was, you know, getting ready to, to do today's program. But I'm going to go back through and, and now read it, uh, you know, straight through. So let's let's go back to Google Plus um, because you know I think it it's the unloved of the social media networks and to me I tell you what one of the things that I like most about it are the images you know they are so it seems like they're so much more vivid there I tell anybody who's a photographer that's really a, a place they need to be but I also yeah. find on Google Plus there's not the here's what I'm having for lunch you know here's the TV show that I watch type of posts. And the funny thing is it's the same people that I follow on various social media networks. They just post differently there. Um, to me, it's almost like a hybrid of Facebook and LinkedIn with what people are posting. Yeah, you know, a lot of people on uh, Google+, Plus. Uh, I, I think initially a lot of people who, who, didn't, who never liked Facebook uh, immediately clung on the Google+. Plus. Right. Also, you have a lot of people that like Google, right? They mm-hmm. have, these are the people that have Android phones. Uh, that have Chromebooks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some of the geeky, more techie people, but th- there's also that crowd on there as well. So yes, they use it in a different way. And Google Plus can be scary because you know when you go to a chamber of commerce meeting or a professional networking meeting, you don't just go and say a few words, talk to the next person, say a few words, and, and that's what Twitter is. Mm-hmm. With, with Google Plus, every conversation that I've had or most conversations are pretty deep. Um, if you say something that is going to evoke emotion, people will come back at you and they'll ask further questions and you get into very, very deep conversations. So it's scary in that the more you engage in Google+, the more it truly is going to take up your time in a different way than it does on Facebook. I think in a more healthier way. And therefore, you can have a lot deeper conversations in Google+. And I've had way deeper conversations there than I've had in other platforms. You combine that with this culture uh, and, you know, with every social network, you have your rotten apples. But I believe in Google+, Plus, there's way more positive apples that really want to help you out and, mm-hmm. and help you learn and teach you. And if you just throw out a question, there's a lot of people who offer a lot of advice. So right. it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a pretty magical experience for myself that I hope you all, you know, um, begin to experience. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to get started, uh, the two ways I recommend people get started on Google+, Plus for, for just complete newbies – you know, one is obviously registering and starting what's called a Google Plus Hangout. And a Google Plus Hangout is a Skype call, right? Uh, but the Google Plus Hangout, you have the ability, for instance, to videotape it. Uh, so if you were having a conversation with someone that you wanted to keep on record for future reference, you can videotape it. There's also uh, the ability to do a group video conference, up to 10 people at the same time which is something that you can't do on Skype. And it's completely right. free. And there's mm-hmm. other things you can do, like screen share and things of that sort. So I think for businesses, uh, you know, especially if you're a small business and occasionally you do these things, I know people that have actually canceled their contracts for like a go-to-meeting, and they're starting to do more using Google Plus Hangouts. So that's a real utilitarian way of getting started on Google Plus. Right. The other way I'd recommend goes back to your point about photos, and I just last night, I have a Samsung Galaxy S4, and I had to completely redo 
I had to redo everything about it, and it's still not booting. So I, I'm going to go to the AT&T store right when we're done, Deb. But oh, no. Uh, uh, the fact of the matter is that I know that every photo that I've taken on um, my phones and going back to my iPhones, they're all in the cloud. They're all in the Google cloud because I have Google+. And Google+, Plus has the ability to auto-save all your photos into the cloud in a private repository yes. because it's basically what Picasso was. It, it's now... It's now Google Plus. Mm-hmm. So that's another, you know, really, really good reason to use Google Plus. And you don't have to share your photos at all, but there's obviously ways that you can edit your photos and organize your photos and share them online and only share them to certain people if you want to do that. But I think those are the two most utilitarian ways that make it very, very easy for you to transition into Google Plus if you are looking right. for an excuse to get started. Well, and I use both of those. Um, you know, I've, I've used Hangouts. Because, you know, Atlanta is pretty good-sized, and I was the chair of a social media committee for a business organization. Mm -hmm. And for us to drive to committee meetings, it was an hour's drive each way, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. So you wasted two hours of driving. And the committee meetings last maybe 30 minutes. And, you know, so we started doing Google Hangouts because it was a small enough committee. We had exactly 10 members. And it was so simple and easy to do those committee meetings. So, you know, the same thing would go if you've got team members, you know, sales team members or family or whoever in various places. Hangouts really is a pretty cool feature. Um, you know, or as you said, it's streamed through YouTube. You can also save it. You know, so maybe you give a webinar and then you give people access to it on YouTube. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of the cooler features that I think they've really done well with incorporating. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that's sort of the, the killer functionality. You know, Facebook, you have the ability to add applications uh, through tabs and uh, obviously Facebook advertising. For Google+, Plus, without a doubt, Hangouts is, is one of the very, very cool things. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, so you're connecting with people online and then you create circles. So what is a, a Google+, Plus circle and why are the benefits of those? You know, I think when Google+, Plus first came out, there was a lot of buzz about circles and how cool it was. But Circles are really very, very similar to Twitter lists. So they just give you the ability to, uh, when you add someone, you actually, or follow someone on Google Plus, you actually have to add them to a circle. So right. you're basically, you know, putting, you're, you're basically putting people into containers. And it makes it very, very easy once they're in a container to, uh, not only manage what you see in your stream, if you only want to see the stream from the top 10 social media people you follow, or you have a separate one for family, but also, as you expand your own network, it's a really, really good way of remembering how you met these people, right? You met them in a certain conversation mm-hmm. on a certain brand page. You, I mean, you can create as many circles as you want for, for, all, for all I know. There may be a limit somewhere. Uh, so you also have the ability to share. found when you share the circles is that a lot of people's default notifications is that they receive a notification. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, you start showing up on a lot of people's notifications and it can actually be offending to a lot of people. So I recommend that when you want to share something, you just share publicly, not necessarily to a circle. And if there's some people that you want to make sure read the message, then you CC them. It's, you know, nobody's reading every tweet on Twitter. Right. Nobody's reading every Facebook post. And no one's going to read everything in their newsfeed in Google Plus either. Uh, so that would be my recommendation there. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's another cool feature that they have. And Facebook, you know, you have the same ability on Facebook, but it's just a... The Facebook UI is just a lot harder to get to, right? Google Plus makes it very easy, and it's it's a handy thing. Well, and you know, in a lot of ways, what I see happening is 
Google Plus kind of watches Facebook and goes, ooh, okay, lists were a cool feature, but here's how we can improve on it. Um, you know, and, and I think that the next step that they took that really is a nifty feature are communities. Um, I, I really like communities on, on Google Plus, but tell people what communities are. Yeah, communities are probably the closest thing we have to LinkedIn groups. So very, very similar to a LinkedIn group, right? Uh, th- that you you have you know a lot of professionals on Google Plus. I definitely find it's a it, it, it's an environment that's geared more towards a LinkedIn conversation than a Facebook conversation. You you mentioned that as well, Deb. But uh, it, it's basically a group. It's where people uh, come together, where they have discussions, they share news. And what I like about Google Plus communities, especially compared to LinkedIn groups, is you can have different boards. So I'm actually thinking of creating. I've yet to create a Google Plus community, but. Uh, I'm going to be starting a, a membership site soon. And what I'm thinking of doing is, uh, you know, I could do it on a LinkedIn group or a Facebook group, but actually I can be organized contents on different boards. So if mm-hmm. people just have a question about LinkedIn, they can go to a LinkedIn-specific board instead of having all the information on one general board. Ah. Um, it, right? It, it's a mm-hmm. very, very easy thing to do in Google+. You have a lot of great moderation capabilities. It's also the fact that it's Google. So you can mention someone in a Google Plus community, and even if they aren't a member, they're going to see that they were mentioned, and oh. it may prompt them to join. The, so, yeah, there's a lot of little ninja tricks that you can do, and it's Google. So there are some Google Plus communities. In fact, I think in the book, if I'm not, if I'm not uh, mistaken, to maximize your social, and if it wasn't, there's a blog post on Maximize Social Business about a guy who started, I think it was about uh, home gardening. Uh, he started mm-hmm. a home gardening Google Plus community for his clients. And that community now shows up, I think, on the second page of Google, and it only took wow. about only took about two months for that to happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's definite advantages because it's Google as well, and it's it's another social signal, right, um, mm-hmm. for content and for people. So it's uh, it's something that you know, if you're a member of LinkedIn groups, do a search. You're going to find similar groups on Google Plus or, or communities, and join some and see what the conversation's about. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, the nice thing is you can change the settings so it's not dinging at you all the time, um, you know, and, and but I found it's a great place to be able to, it's just like a LinkedIn group, um, post content, get answers, and I'm not, you know, posting it to the general world, I'm posting it to somebody, you know, people who are specifically interested in that topic. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the beauty of, you know, when I talk about even, I think even before Google Plus communities, there are a lot of professionals that have really yet to discover the power uh, and the amazing thing that are LinkedIn groups. And, you know, they're, they're really, the way that I describe them are, they are the, the largest forums for professionals on the Internet. Mm-hmm. You cannot find, you know, another forum that has, you know, one million members talking about, you know, HR issues or job issues or, you know, there's some marketing uh, groups on LinkedIn that have hundreds of thousands of users. Mm-hmm. And it's all targeted towards that community of people that have an interest in marketing. So in, in a similar way, you know, Google Plus communities are not at that level yet in terms of numbers, although they're getting there. But if you've never been part of those communities, you really owe it to yourself. That's where when I wrote Maximizing LinkedIn for Sales and Social Media Marketing, my second book about two years ago, that was where I found most uh, businesses were able to find business, was engaging in LinkedIn groups because people with questions – uh, you know, are there asking questions and they're, they're looking for advice that's going to help them do uh, their business or their work better. And right. a lot of times those lead to business opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Google Plus communities, I haven't heard the same thing yet, but hey, they're business people, they're asking questions, they're talking, there's always that potential. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, you know, one of the things that people, I always tell people to keep in mind is, you know, no matter where you are, you know, don't be that used car salesman. You know, even if somebody is asking, where do I buy? Where can I get? There's ways to answer that without, you know, hitting people over the head. Um, you know, and, and because it's, it's more about building relationships with people than simply answering their questions. If you're a good resource and a good source of information, that's much better than, you know, just jumping into the middle of a conversation and saying, hey, call me, I can help you. Um, you know, yeah, and, you know. and it's, I, I see that still with people and it's funny, you know, they start marking them as spam really pretty fast, especially on uh, LinkedIn groups. Yeah, and I think, you know, people now can read through that, right? We mm-hmm. read through the smoke and mirrors. We read through the fact that you're only engaging because you're trying to sell something. Those people are getting kicked out of LinkedIn groups. They're being reported for spam, uh, and it's happening, you know, everywhere. And mm-hmm. th- those people, believe me, will be kept off Google Plus because Google. This is the whole idea, right? Uh, is that Google will be able to monitor them, and they will not be allowed to participate in conversations because right. they're using it the wrong way. You know, it's funny. Uh, it, it's the old internet marketers. For instance, I uh, live in an area where we're going to be building a new high school. And there's Irvine, California, right? Mm-hmm. And there's two different areas that they're looking to build the high school at. One is actually only a half a mile away from a minimum security prison. So people oh, are good. Little, yeah, people are <laughs> a little bit worried around here, right? And uh, you know, I don't want to get into the debate about that. But my wife is like, you know, what does it look like? So we go to Google, right? We do mm-hmm. a search for the prison, we find it. And then there's like photos uh, that right. are – there's like a Google place that's already been pre-created for it. And all the photos for the prison were not photos of the prison itself. They were all companies trying to sell bail bonds that basically uh-huh. took mm-hmm. pictures and said they were of the – and this is a really sleazy way of using uh, you know, marketing. And it's the same thing. I check in like at a Starbucks on Foursquare and there's some local realtor that pops in and says, hey, looking for a house in the area? Call me. Um, as as a tip for Starbucks, right? And mm-hmm. that's just it's it's using it the wrong way. These people probably think they're really smart that they're using it this way, but uh, they are they're slimy, and I would never want to do business with that person. Mm-hmm. And I think most people would agree, right? Well, and, and we mentioned spam on on LinkedIn groups. They you know in the the last month or so, there's been kind of this new feature, and and I don't know if it's been around and we just didn't know it. But if you get marked as spam in one group, it goes to all of your groups. Um, you know, and, and yeah. it was funny. I was talking with someone who now I see his posts and they are never ever spam. He's always very helpful. It's never, you know, here's what I can do for you. It's here's a great link to an article about, you know, things like that. And so we figure a competitor marked him as spam. Yep. And he, he couldn't figure out why none of his, his posts were appearing. Well, it was because, you know, that one thing happened. And it's unfortunately it's turned him off on on LinkedIn. But now every post he does in a group has to be approved just because of that that one time. Yeah, and yeah, they started doing that a few months ago. And to be honest with you, as a group manager, I think that's a welcome thing. And, and the unfortunate thing about that, uh, you know, whenever you do anything, there's going to be good and bad. And the good is it keeps a lot of people who just randomly send out links to you know uh, twenty different groups at a time. Um, without engaging in the groups, it, mm-hmm. it you know it, it's going to penalize them as it should because just like that realtor with putting a tip on Starbucks and Foursquare, people are doing the same thing with LinkedIn groups. But unfortunately, yeah, uh, LinkedIn has to get better at determining um, you know when someone is flagged, was it done by a competitor with malicious intent, or 
you know, should they go in there and actually, uh, you know, tr- try to resolve the situation or what have you. That's a real big challenge. I don't know if there's an answer for that. LinkedIn, and I, I know a few people at LinkedIn, they want to become sort of an open uh, public platform for professionals. Mm-hmm. So if you're an open platform, you need to penalize these things, but there's certain things that are in a gray zone, like when that person gets flagged by a competitor. And it's right. happened by a few people I know. But you know what? There was a time in LinkedIn when I was showing up either less, last or next to last in search results. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little better now, but literally... I had people, I had first degree connections, second degree connections, do all sorts of searches, even on things like windmill networking or my name, Neil Schaefer, and mm-hmm. I was showing up less, last or next oh. to last. And I realized, you know what, there's no guarantee for any of these social networks. And I realized that, you know what, in order for me to show up in LinkedIn, I have to engage. I have to go into LinkedIn groups. I have to find people, engage with them, connect with them. And it made me use it in a different way. And for those of you that are penalized with LinkedIn groups... Uh, you find other ways to use it, and there are other ways to use right. it. I mean, you mm-hmm. can you just like I saw that your your post that that had the ten thousand views, Dev. There's mm-hmm. forty two comments. There's forty two people that you can engage there, right? Definitely. And I saw some people engaging with each other on the comments. So mm-hmm. engagement opportunities in social media are everywhere. Think outside of the box. You know, there's going to be more and more restrictions put on us. We're going to have to you know pay more and more to get our content seen in the news feeds. So it's, it's an always changing landscape, which is why, as I say, maximize your social. It's somewhat of an experiment. Uh, you know, just because you've been able to do it successfully for a year in social does not mean you'll be able to continue to do it successfully for the next year. Great. Well, Neil, amazingly, we are at the top of the hour and we just scratched the surface. So I hope that I, I agree. will be able to have you come back on as a guest again because you've got so much great information. But one last time, tell people how they connect with you. MaximizeYourSocial.com, MaximizeSocialBusiness.com, or just do a search for Neil Schaefer, N-E-A-L-S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R, and you'll find me wherever I am in social media. Great. Well, thank you again, Neil, and to everyone, happy St. Patrick's Day, and we will talk with you next week. is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.